As a young man in college, I was busy. I was busy. I was in the wind ensemble. I was in the jazz band. Uh, I was a men's discipleship leader. Uh, I was the student leader at my Sunday school class at the First Baptist Church. Uh, I was also uh, a writer for the school newspaper. And then if that wasn't enough, I started an underground newspaper and uh, also led a prayer for revival for campus. That was on Sundays. I was involved in the Baptist Student Union and I had two jobs and a girlfriend on the side. Shh. I was busy. I had no understanding of limits. And then the ice storm of 2009 came. And we had just moved into our home that had a basement. And it had a sump pump. But of course, when there's no electricity, there's no electric sump pump. And after a day or two of no power, the battery backup pump just died. And water started pouring into our basement. And so single-handedly, I sprang into action. Dun, dun, dun. I was throwing furniture up the stairs and running up and down the stairs. And I was getting everything out of harm's way. And I didn't realize that in the frenzy of doing that all by myself, I herniated myself. And I had to go see the doctor man. And then he told me the results of the tests. Mr. Vanderpool, you have a groinal hernia and we're going to have to do surgery and insert mesh. When he told me that, I said a little too loudly, what, you mean I'm human? And I screamed it, all these nurses come in. Everybody's come in because they think something bad has happened and they're all standing there. Is he okay? Is everything okay, Dr. AJ? And you know what the man said to me, the surgeon? It's gonna be fun to cut on you. <laughs> Why is it that so many of us think that we can do more than is humanly possible? Why is that? Teachers face it. If you teach today, as my wife says, I do in kindergarten what I used to do in first grade with fewer recesses, or fewer recesses, fewer help, and a lot more hours. Um, nurses face it. If you're on the floor, you have more patients, and now you've got to give them the best kind of care, and you also have to do all the data entry for the administrators because they want to make sure the data is right. <laughs> okay, and if you do any kind of job, you know what I'm talking How many of you have a job? Just out of curiosity, you work, they pay you money. It may not be enough, right? Okay, that's a lot of people in the room. Um, if you didn't know this, if you chart productivity in the United States from 1947 to today, it's this giant upward trend. In other words, if you do anything for pay today, you're accomplishing more than your grandpa did in 1947. Some of you are like, could I get a 50 cent raise? <laughs> okay, here's what you may not realize. Jesus was fully human, which meant that Jesus as a human being was limited. Jesus was limited. At Christmas time, we celebrate the fact that God became human. The all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at once, God became a little bitty baby born to a poor Jewish family 
in Bethlehem. And in order to celebrate that, we throw limitations to the wind at Christmas, don't we? We go, 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 bye, 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 do, do, do. And then we overeat, we overbuy, we overindulge. And by New Year's, by New Year's, we're exhausted, fat, and tired and broke, <laughs> some of us, okay? I'm gonna say something that may strike some of you as just downright heretical, and that's this. Because Jesus was fully human, Jesus was limited. Jesus was limited. He was. And so today, if I have a bottom line, it's really simple. Embrace the fact that you're human. Limits are good things. Limits are good things. Embrace your limits. In the Gospel of John, John tells us this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. And then verse 14, so the Word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus was like us in every way except that he did not sin, which meant that Jesus faced emotional stress, Jesus faced death and dying. Jesus faced the heartbreaking reality of suffering. Jesus faced family conflict. Jesus faced family conflict, abandonment, loneliness, sadness, the sting of being betrayed. Jesus faced the pain of being misunderstood. You grow up in Nazareth and make a big name for yourself and see how that plays out. He faced the hurt of being stereotyped for his ethnicity and his social status. And he faced the burden of caring for broken and sinful and hurting people. Does Jesus know what it is to have sore muscles? Yes. Uh, did he have a runny nose? I believe so. In one of my seminary classes, someone posed the question, did Jesus ever have a stomach bug? My answer to that question is yes because I have a high priest who is able to sympathize with me in every way except sin. And when I had kidney stones, I threw up 15 times. It helps to know that Jesus knows what it is to hurl. <laughs> Jesus knows what it is to hurl, okay? Jesus was limited. Paul spells this out for us in Philippians chapter two. He says this, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When God chose to become human, God chose to become limited. Jesus went from perfect knowledge of everything to having to learn to walk and talk. Think about it. Jesus didn't come out of the chute. No, I can walk and talk and do Like, no, he had to learn those things. Jesus had to learn what it was to make a table with the stepdad, Joseph, son, son, you hold the hammer this way, right? Jesus had to learn things. He had to learn things. Ryan McCoskey brilliantly writes about our God-given limitations, and he says this, you will never fully understand anything. Some of us are like, yeah, I couldn't find my keys this morning. Uh, if you're married, 
you probably are still trying to figure out your spouse and all the men are like, yeah, she's still a mystery. Um, Secondly, you have no control over anything. You don't. And if you don't believe me, you go to the Fayette Mall this afternoon and see how that works with your temper and what comes out of your mouth. (laughs) Try and find a parking space today. I dare you. Double dog dare you, right? Third, you can only be in one place at one time. Jesus, because he was fully human in that moment, in that time period, was only one place at one time. If he was in Galilee, he was in Galilee, which meant he wasn't in Jerusalem. And here it is today, 2019, and some of us, because of our smart devices, we're physically in one place and we're not even there. We're someplace else, okay? Uh, Fourth, you have no idea what the future holds. You can't predict what's gonna happen next week, let alone next year. And you cannot change without help. Anybody try to lose weight or read the Bible through for the first time? It's hard to do all by yourself. The godliest thing that some of us could do this Christmas is actually embrace the limitations that come with being human. You can't know everything. You have no real control. You can't be everywhere for everyone. You can't know the future and you can't change without help. So what do you do? Well, you have to trust God. You're gonna have to trust God. You're gonna have to embrace limits and then you're gonna have to trust God some more. In Matthew chapter 13, this amazing thing happens that Matthew records, and it's Matthew 13, verses 53 to the end. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get his wisdom from and the power to do miracles and then they scoffed he's just that carpenter's son and we know mary and his mother and his brothers james joseph simon and judas and all his sisters are right here they still live among us where did he learn all these things and they were deeply offended and refused to believe him and then jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except his own hometown and among his own family And so Jesus did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. I wonder what must it have been like for the God of the universe to grow up poor? We know from the gospels that Jesus' family was poor because when it came time to make the sacrifice at the temple, they didn't offer a lamb. They offered either two pigeon doves uh, or what was the other option that they could do? Two pair of doves or two young pigeons, right? So Jesus grew up poor. Uh, What must it have been like to grow up in a small town where people talk? And people probably talked all the time about who Jesus' father was or wasn't, and everybody probably had an opinion because Mary was obviously pregnant and everybody knew that story and how that played out. Did they, you know... Did they do the married deed before they were married? Was Mary cheating on him? What would, you know, and everybody probably had their opinion. What must it have been like to grow up in a situation like that where everybody kind of had a, an opinion about your patronage? When Jesus became human, he could have chosen any family in the world. God could have picked any family. God could have picked a rich family, a well-connected family, or even a famous family. God could have chosen to be born in the household of Caesar if God wanted to, barring the prophecies of the Old Testament, right? 
But God chose a poor, working Jewish family from a small town near the Sea of Galilee. And when Jesus walked the earth, he never visited Rome. He never saw the Parthenon. And chances are he never even visited the two great cities that Herod built. Jesus had limitations, just like you and just like me. Let me ask a question. What would it look like for you this Christmas to actually slow down and recognize that God is with you? And then what are the limitations that you have these days that you actually resent? The ones that you're having these conversations with God about. You know, if you could just, if I could just be free, if you would just take away because you're just convinced if that limitation was gone, woo, happiness quotient would be off the, off the chart. What is the limitation that you currently face that you resent? So how do we take the fact that Jesus had limits and how do we apply that? Well, I've got some practical suggestions, as always, Team Generations. Step number one, admit it, you're human. Some of you, this could be a powerful thing that you acknowledge to your spouse or your family this Christmas. And you know the good thing that will happen when you say, look, I'm human, I have limits. Do you know what they will all say? Oh, they finally figured it out. (laughs) They will be relieved. They will like, oh, mom's got it. Dad's figured it out. Whoo, okay, sigh of relief. Everybody can breathe now. Admit that you're human. For those of you with technology, I'm gonna suggest a December declutter a December declutter or a January declutter if you want to wait till the start of the calendar year. But take 30 days and get off technology for 30 days. The apps that you use, the social media, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the face places and all those stuffs and just be off of them for 30 days and get them off your phone. And during that time, do stuff that you don't normally do but have been thinking to yourself, you know, I really want to, well, then do it. right? And after the declutter time period is done, pick back up one app at a time and ask yourself, does this app, does this technology support something that I value and how should I be using this? When Cal Newport did this digital declutter, one of the things that he decided for himself, uh, and he writes about it in the book Digital Minimalism, is he said, I took my Facebook friends list of about 950 people and I shaved it down to 100. The 100 friends that I had. And that's all I see in my newsfeed. And he said, you know what I noticed? My my anxiety level dropped. My satisfaction level went up. He said, you're gonna have to figure out what that looks like for you. Now you may not know this, but one of the limitations of being human has to do with who you can know. So there's a guy who's famously put together, he did this research in the 1950s, and he says, if you're a human being, all of you in this room are human beings, if you're a human being, you can have as many as five intimate friendships, but typically no more than that. You can have 15 close friends, you can have 50 friends, you can have 150 friends, friends, and then you can have 500 acquaintances, people that you know something about their lives, something about them. And then you can know 1,500 by name so that you can go, hi, Matt. That's all I know. I know you're Matt. That's it. 
<laughs> Ding, I've now exhausted my knowledge of Matt. Um, and so uh, these are the limitations that you face. Isn't it true that most of our social media accounts and ways that we have of connecting with people violate this reality of what it means to be human? So we're trying to keep up with a thousand people, but the truth of the matter is, as a human being, you just can't do that very well. You can't. And so um, how could you declutter this Christmas? Uh, third thing, eat well, sleep more. This is gonna sound crazy for some of you that are younger. I know, if you're 14, 16, 18, you can binge watch, you can be up till 12, one, you can do all this stuff, you can game for three days straight and you don't even have to pee. I get it, I understand the reality of how that works. But here's what you may not realize. If you're 16 years old, you need, your body needs eight to 10 hours of sleep a night. Eight to 10 hours of sleep a night. One of the reasons that you're snipping at mom and dad all the time is because you're just tired. You're tired. Sleep. Sleep. Now, lest you teenagers think I'm picking on you, I'm going to turn to mom and dad for a moment. Mom and dad, did you know that as an adult, you need seven to nine hours of sleep a night? So if you're living on five hours of sleep, that's how the Soviets tortured Americans, taken capture. It was torture. Sleep deprivation is torture. Okay, you're torturing yourself. You're not embracing the limits of what it means to be human. I always thought this encounter of Jesus falling asleep in the boat was the silliest thing I had ever read in the Bible. For years and years and years, I thought, how is a guy fast asleep in the middle of some storm that's freaking everyone else out. Well, if Matthew's position of this story and setting of the story is to be believed, Jesus had just finished up a week of nonstop people, 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 heal me, touch me, visit my cousin, Jesus, Jesus. And it was just, he was pressed and, and it was into the wee hours of the morning and it started early in the morning the next day. And by the time he got on that boat and they pushed away from shore, I think Jesus said to that close group of friends, hey guys, I'm checking out, I got a crash. And then he fell asleep. He was exhausted, right? Jesus had limits. Uh, and then the last thing is the hand. Hold up your hand for a moment. How many fingers do you have on your hand? Five. All right. God gave you your hand to help you out. Did you know that we now know from research that your short-term memory, your st memory storage capacity is three to five items? Three to five items. That's what you can hold up here. Anything else is gone. And so uh, the younger version of me would have task lists and I would have like 21 tasks that I was gonna tackle in a day and the next day was gonna be 35 tasks and the day after that would be 17 tasks and, and, and at the end of the day, I would get in bed and I would just feel absolutely defeated because I only got seven done or 13 done. These days, I have what I call my big three. I have three things that on any given day, those are the things that have got to get done. Those are the things that are important. That's the win. And if I get those three things done, woohoo! Max Vanderpool, one for the day. 
I might have seven other things below them. And if they happen, great. If they don't, oh, well, I did my three. My three is what counts. And the satisfaction level in me in doing this, and I stole this idea, by the way, uh, from Michael Hyatt, a Christian from Nashville, uh, Tennessee. Um, but you can only remember three to five. That's why, by the way, I only have one, uh, one bottom line or one teaching point to any given sermon, because if you come in and you're meeting the Stenelsons for lunch after church, you're down to four things you can remember. <laughs> and if you were supposed to bring cookies today, now you're down to three, right? So like, I know what you have coming in through the doors. So I'm not gonna give you 17 steps to a better marriage because you know, it's not gonna happen, okay? So five things or less, five things or less, right? Why is this important? There's one particular Christmas that my wife will mention regularly. Uh, it happened back in the 1990s. It was before we had children. And I think it was at the time that my mom was kind of fighting off breast cancer. And so she was taking tamoxifen and some other things that made her, you know, just zap the energy from her. And so on that particular Christmas, we went to my parents' house in Indiana, this small little ranch home in nowhere, Indiana. And mom kind of announced, we're not doing much, right? And so when it came to Christmas Eve, what are, what's for dinner? What are we doing for dinner? Cheeseburgers. And literally, it was cheeseburgers and nothing, like, <laughs> okay? So there weren't 15 side dishes. There weren't three different events going on that night. When we opened gifts, there weren't 50 to 70 gifts that we were trying to open. Jenny talks about that Christmas as though it was magical because part of the magic of that Christmas was that there were some limits in place that just made it that much more enjoyable, right? So at Christmas time, you live in America and America just, woo, throws limitations to the wind at Christmas. And I just wanna say, if you wanna be like Jesus, you're gonna have to embrace limitations. You're gonna have to embrace limitations. You're only human, I'm only human, and you know what? That's okay, it's okay. It's okay that you're only human. Embrace the limits that come with being human because you're not only going to have a better Christmas, you're going to have a better life, okay? So are you human? Yes. Is that okay? Yes. Oh, okay. Some of you might need convincing during the coffee time. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, this is so hard. Some of us, when we rip off our outer layer, we got this giant S on our inner layer shirt and we think we're Superman or Superwoman and we can just woo, do it all and leap over tall buildings in a single bound. And then something happens and we get sick or there's a monkey wrench and then we realize we can't. So Father, rather than learn the hard way, we'd like to learn the easy way that we have limits. And so we confess today we're human. We can't know everything. We can't accomplish everything we want to. We can't be everywhere all at once for everybody. We've got limits. Help us to own those limits. And Father, we ask that you would give us greater freedom to really be more human as a result in the way that we treat people, the way that we love those around us, and the way that we love our neighbor. So Father, help us this Christmas and always to be better human beings. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.